forgiven and free. Do you all see that on your bulletins? <laughs> Say that with me. Forgiven and free. One more time. Forgiven and free. As we take a step into the second half of the book of Galatians, that is going to be our theme. That you, as a follower of Jesus, if you know Jesus, you are forgiven and free. Forgiven and free. The Apostle Paul, as a shift happens in these last three chapters of Galatians, oh, he can't help but be theological at times. But I think you're going to see more of a, a pastoral approach begin to unfold. And this isn't a new theme. If you've been with us these last few weeks, being forgiven and free isn't a new theme. Not a lot of new stuff is going to emerge. But Paul wants to drive home the point that in Jesus... We are forgiven and free. Forgiven because of his ultimate sacrifice. That he was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, what? He rose again from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and intercedes for his church. And his heart breaks when we don't live as if we are what? Forgiven and free. Now, Paul also isn't afraid to continue to be honest and real with the churches in Galatia, whom he had, had planted with blood and sweat and tears. And now he hears that they want to retreat from this message where they're doubting that they are forgiven and free. And so the Apostle Paul continues, as we'll see in a few minutes, as, as we enter chapter 4, reinforcing that we are sons of the Most High, male and female, Jew and Greek, slave or free, all of us are sons, are heirs to this beautiful gift of salvation that we're forgiven in Jesus' name. And that we're free from the requirements of the law. Not free to go and do whatever we wish whenever we want. If you're like me, you have days where you mess up. Do I have other hands in the air this morning? We have days where we're messed up and mess up. And yet, it's such a weekly reminder. If only in worship, but I hope it's every day, that we need to confess our sins, and we can do that without fear of a lightning bolt coming down and zapping us. That we can be honest and free before the Lord to say, I need to be reminded of your forgiveness. I need to have that wash over me. God, you're doing a new thing in my life. I need to see it and believe it. And so these next few weeks, not a lot of new is going to come from Paul. But his heart, his heart's cry, his, his passion 
that we would live into the reality as sons and daughters of the Most High that we are forgiven and that we are free. And so you're going to see this each and every. Isn't that a beautiful picture, by the way? <laughs> Those of you at home, I don't know if you can see that. But it's just a beautiful picture that we have a path laid out before us where we're not going to be perfect, but that we're forgiven and that we're free from these requirements of the law that says we must keep it perfectly. We want to obey God. We want to keep the law. Not as a condition of our salvation, but as a what? Response to it. We want to respond saying, thank you, Jesus. I want to follow your commands to the best of my ability. And so as we have been seeing in the book of Galatians, God worked in the in the Apostle Paul's life before he even saved him. In fact, his name was what? Here's a question, pop quiz. Saul, that's right. Before his name was changed to Paul, he was Saul. And that powerful encounter on the road to Damascus, God was already at work, and he equipped Paul to preach the gospel to both Jew and Gentile. And as Paul writes in the book of Galatians, when God sent him back to the, the beginnings of the church in Jerusalem, Paul learned that the gospel is all about what? Faith in Jesus. It's not faith plus circumcision. It's not faith plus saying your prayers three times a day. It's not faith plus giving 10%. It's not faith plus serving out in the community. That's a part of our faith. That's living out our faith in response to what Jesus has done for us. But Paul learned that it's in faith and it, that it's by faith and faith alone that we come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, do you remember when Peter, one of the leaders of the church, didn't live his life in line with this truth? Was Paul shy and quiet and timid with Peter? Absolutely not. He called him out. He got in his face, literally. Paul challenged him to let the gospel shape both his attitude and the way he lived out his faith. Paul will, as we'll see, continues to urge the Galatians to trust Jesus, who has done what the law cannot do. Jesus saves us. Amen? Jesus saves us. The law cannot save us. And so Paul wants us to grow up. In other words, I think we'll hear today Paul saying it's time to grow up, church. It's time to grow up. And not as we heard from the book of Revelation, to be lukewarm, to be standing on both sides of the fence, right? It's time to grow up and to believe and live as if we believe it, that we are what? Forgiven and free. You know, I, I remember as I grew up loving the story of Peter Pan, right? Just go back to that innocent time where you could love Peter Pan without worrying about what other people think today about Peter Pan, right? <laughs> the innocence and the fun 
that James Barry created in his book. He describes a place called Neverland, where children, what, never grow up. To get there, you must take the second star to the right and go straight on till morning. Oh, the, the innocence of being a child. Where would you go right now if you could go back in time, right? If you could go back to the future. No, that's the wrong analogy. But if you could go back in time, <laughs> what moment or moments as a child would you love to re-experience again? And yet time does not stand still, does it? Time does not stand still. And, and we grow up one way or another. And spiritually speaking, I think Paul is saying, church, followers of Jesus, it's time to grow up as wonderful and as innocent as being a child in the faith can be. Do you remember that first time you sang Jesus loves me or heard the Bible story or saw it on flannel graph, right? Do you remember those times, those precious moments and the people that planted the truth of the gospel? But you have grown up with the help of the Holy Spirit and by God's grace. And so I invite you this morning to turn to page 970 in the Pew Bibles, or you can open your own, to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, and we'll navigate the first 20 verses together today, stopping briefly at a couple points and making sure we're all on the same page. Does that sound good? Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, and what Paul is doing is really continuing this theme as heirs, that we are, that we are heirs of God's promises, that we are rich because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, Paul says in verse 1, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until a time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also an heir. Let's stop right there. This idea of sonship. As Pastor Curtis explained last week, sons inherited the family estate, the oldest son. That's the way it was. And Paul is doing a radical thing by saying we are all sons. We are all sons. We are all able to inherit God's promises, God's grace, 
God's goodness, male and female, Jew and Greek, slave and free. We are all able to be sons of God. Paul's doing a radical thing. And Paul is basically saying there was a time when you were underage and that you weren't able to inherit. You were being overseen by guardians and trustees. But now Paul is saying what? It's time to grow up. You are forgiven and free. The time has come as he alludes. Jesus, Christ the Savior, was born. I love it when I can always talk about Christmas. You know the story. Do you know the story? Absolutely you do. That God's appointed time came where Jesus was born, the miracle and the mystery of the incarnation. God put on human flesh and was born in that old little town of Bethlehem. Fully God, fully human. Jesus came to die. And Paul says at that time, at that time, God had kept his promise. Help was on the way. Salvation was near. Listen. Respond. Grow up in the faith. Transfer the trust of your life to Jesus. You are forgiven and you are free. Verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that you somehow, that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Do you see Paul being honest here? He's calling them out. Some of them are slipping back to their old ways, to wanting to say, hmm, is Jesus the only way or is there other gods or other practices that will make me feel good and help me grow up in my religious pursuit? And Paul says, absolutely not. And then at the same time, the voice of those from Jerusalem who might say it's for the Gentiles, it's faith plus works. You're not Jewish, so faith has to be added to. Paul is saying, don't revert back to your childish faith when you first began to hear about this Jesus. Don't revert back to your childhood. Don't go back to Never Never Land. It's time to take a step forward in faith and trust that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Believe that. And that's what Paul begins to speak in. To the people. And this is where he really puts on his pastor hat, beginning with verse 12. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me. 
for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Do you sense a little bit of frustration here? <laughs> Paul is basically saying, we were close. I was dealing with an illness. I didn't even look too good. And you listened to God's truth through me. And basically, as much as he's being stern, he also has a pastor's heart. And he's saying, don't lose the truth of the gospel, that in Christ alone you are forgiven. And this frees you from the burdens of the law, from thinking you've got to try harder, that you have to work harder, that you have to look a certain way. Paul says, let's grow up together. What I have shared with you is from the heart of God, and it is truth. And Paul's not backing down, and he's urging the churches of Galatia not to revert back to their childhood. And finally, verses 17 through 20, those people. Now, it's not good when we say those people, <laughs> right? You've said it before. Well, those people. Well, who are you talking about, right? But I believe who Paul's talking about here are what are known, or who is known as the Judaizers. Those who are teaching that it's gospel plus, that it's faith plus. Those people are zealous to win you over, but to no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. Verse 19, my dear children, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Paul doesn't get it. And in the midst of Paul not getting it, can you hear his heart? Can you hear his heart saying the truth of the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit has been revealed to you? This is a gift. You are forgiven and free, and you're living out your lives as if you're not. One of the most special moments that I remember as a child is coming home, realizing that I had, as I said back in 1976, accepted Jesus into my heart. And every night for two weeks, I accepted Jesus into my heart over and over again. My parents were very patient and saying, Brian, I, it's a beautiful prayer, but I don't think you need to pray that every day. 
And I thought about that this week in preparing for this message. As beautiful and as a prayer could be, especially coming from an eight-year-old, if those of you that have grandchildren or have had children and heard their beautiful and honest prayers, I think the enemy wants to think that we're never good enough, that we're not really forgiven and free. We gotta try harder. We gotta do better. We gotta keep coming to church every week. I mean, granted, if you were here every week, we'd celebrate. But when you miss a week, you're still a child of God. Amen? You don't have to memorize a, a verse of the Bible every day. That's not a bad thing if you do. But this is the idea where I think the enemy tries to get into our head and our heart saying, you're not good enough. God couldn't have per, per, really forgiven you. Try harder. Do better. And Paul is basically pulling out all the stops saying, don't lose your first love. Don't go lukewarm on me. As beautiful as those childhood memories are, grow up. It's time to grow up. And finally this morning, I couldn't help but think of the parable of the lost son. Some of you may have heard it before, the, the parable of the what? Prodigal son. Where basically a father has two sons and the, the youngest son basically wishes that his father was dead because he asked for his inheritance ahead of time. He goes off to a foreign land and he, and he basically uses all of the inheritance. And he realizes that he's not even getting the scraps that the pigs are eating. And he determines in his heart and mind that I'm going to go back to my father, but I'm not worthy to be my, son, to be my father's son anymore. I'm going to ask that I become his servant or become his slave. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verse 17, when the son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he began that journey back to his father. But here's the power of this parable, friends. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Friends, the father's forgiveness preceded the son's repentance. Dr. Ken Bailey says this is the gospel within the gospel. The father basically made a fool of himself, pulled up his robes, and ran towards his wayward son and said, you are forgiven, son, and you are free. The son started to, to rehearse that line that he did in that far, foreign land. But as he began to rehearse that line, the father interrupted him and said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and let's kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and he was found. So let's what? 
celebrate. Friends, I was lost and I was found. You were lost and you were found. You are what? Forgiven and free. And Jesus wants us to live like that. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. That passage that Ahmad read for us, Jesus was standing at the door and knocking. We often think that that's about Jesus standing at the door and knocking at a non-believer. Absolutely not. He's standing and knocking at the door of the church and say, grow up. He's standing and knocking at the church's door saying, you are forgiven and free. Let's start acting like it. You were lost, but you were found. The Father's forgiveness preceded your repentance, and through faith, you were welcomed into the family of God. This is the good news of the gospel. Amen?